Yeah, so that's something I have in common with this movie, Sissy. Uh, I also once had pink hair. Nice. I never had pink hair. Well, I had red hair for a while, bright red, and then it just faded to orange. I went through a whole sort of fall spectrum. I used to have pink hair. I could see you. I could see you pulling off pink okay, hair, Jeremy. Pink hair. Yeah, especially yeah. You know, pink shirt. Right? My macho man. Think like I'm a girl, Dad. And I can kick your ass if you disrespect him kind of energy. Sure. I have often thought about letting my, my daughters paint my nails. But the fact is, like, I'm really bad about, like, anything that I, I can pick at, especially yeah. on my hands. So, like, the nail polish would drive me insane. Yeah, I say as I am, I'm picking at my nail right now. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I can't be that goth because I can't seem to keep nail polish on. <laughs> My daughter's is like, can I paint your nails? And I'm like, theoretically, yes. I have no moral yeah. objection to me as a man having nail polish on. It's just me. You're not a conscientious personally. objector. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, you guys want to talk about this good, good movie? Hell yeah. Yes, Let's do it. All right. Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified. The show where we hold horror to standards. It absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. Tonight we're talking about one of my favorite horror movies of 2022. It's gay, it has a black lead, it has interesting things to say, and it's Australian. It's sissy. I am your host Jeremy Whitley and with me tonight I have a panel of cinephiles and cenobites. First, they're here to challenge the sexy werewolf, sexy vampire binary. My co-host, Ben Kahn. Ben, how are you tonight? Let's give it up for Psychosexual Girl Crush, the movie! <laughs> and the cinnamon roll of Cenobites, our co-host, Emily Martin. How are you tonight, Emily? Well, I'm glad that this movie is in Australia because then I could figure out why there are kangaroos there. But then, uh, where are my pharmacy employees dressed up as cows? Like, where are my PHAR farm animals? Yo, I think I, I think all you have yeah. to do is go to San Francisco. I'm fairly certain. This is now our th- at least off the top of my head our third time of seeing the trope of any horror movie that involves any degree of car travel will involve a plot irrelevant roadkill that's just there for the vibes. This, this came through to the end, though. It, it did come back yes. thematically. I love that there's so much roadkill that's just deer, and we've really hit like a stride of like first invitation it was like oh it's in california so it's a coyote in the roadkill and this one is like it's fucking kangaroos it was like the first real yeah. indication for sure that this is in australia oh yeah we've seen a lot of roadkill in these movies definitely first time it was kangaroo <laughs> yes, yes. seen some kangaroo roadkill in movies and our guest tonight we have two wonderful returning guests first the writer of the diversity and horror blog in front of the podcast morgan morgan how are you tonight I am doing great tonight, and I'm so excited to talk about this movie. And so are we, obviously. We already started. <laughs> <laughs> and English educator and friend of the podcast, Emmanuel Lipscomb. Emmanuel, good to see you. Good to see you all. I'm super pumped about this. I had no idea there were Black people in Australia. We out you. Yes, yes. Yeah, aboriginal. Like They started in Australia, and then all the crazy white people came. I'm really glad that all of y'all are here, because I watched this movie the first time and my first thought was like, if this was an American movie, there would be no end to the amount that they talk about the race of these characters. And for some reason, 
this Australian movie does not mention that this lead is black once. This movie also doesn't explicitly mention being gay, aside from an incredible same vagina forever <laughs> balloons. It doesn't say the word gay. It just has women who like to fuck each other. That's like the only Yeah. There is a applied beginning to a hand job going on in one of the scenes that they do not does not continue, but like they definitely interlude to it. Well, it is so it is wild that you the scene does begin with Emma getting negged by her fiance. Like, you care so much, which is why, but it's such a flaw about you. Yeah. Now let's squeeze some boobs. Not only does it have a black lead and a very queer cast, it also has a disabled character. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yes. It's really interesting to me because there was a part of me that's like, is it bad that the disabled character is absolutely despicable? And it's like, well, <laughs> no, not really. That's never chalked up to his disability no. at all. He just yeah. is a horrible person. It's 2023. Disabled people can be dicks, too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I like that they never mentioned the disability. It's just part of his character. It is written and directed by Hannah Barlow and Kane Sinis, who are both young directors. Uh, Hannah Barlow was the, the winner of the uh, Heath Ledger Australians in Film uh, Scholarship. They're both young. They have like one movie together, like feature length movie together under their belt that they directed and a lot of like smaller work. Anna Barlow is also an actor who appears as Emma in this movie, who's one of the main characters. But our lead is played by Aisha D. She is Cecilia, or Sissy, as you know, named in the title. We have Emily De Margariti as Alex, Daniel Monks as Jamie, and I think really the only other like major characters we have in here are Yiren Ha as Tracy and Lucy Barrett as Fran, and that sort of makes up our group but the basic plot of this movie as we see it is we follow cecilia who is a instagram influencer sort of she's sort of a general mental health say nice things talk about yoga give people permission to be nice to themselves kind of influencer type not despicable by any means but also she does sell elon mask facial masks and she (laughs) did help chris hemsworth advertise okay yeah uh, advertise his app i don't know if chris emsworth really has an app in real life but um we gotta talk about elon mask i had to fucking rewind to make sure i understood what i was hearing yes they're they're elon mask facial masks that that help with your pores and everything else uh they do all known for having great skin that what you aspire to look at him listen i don't know look at him you his skin his skin looks divorced (laughs) i think it was just a fun pun they were like mask mask yeah this is funny like it's a funny idea that this thing exists i it was funny it was i do love that it kind of becomes her slasher mask later in the movie yeah i love the the use of the facial that was so cool slasher mask as we go on we follow cecilia as she goes on an emergency run to go pick up some period supplies and accidentally overhears a former friend of hers emma who is in the next aisle over trying to get prescription drugs without a prescription when she uh, tries to get away and accidentally bumps into Emma anyway. We find out that Cecilia and Emma were best friends at about the age 12. And Emma does not remember why they're not friends anymore and is so happy to see Cecilia and wants her to come to her bachelorette party, which is going on later that night. Cecilia seems to really want to say no, but can't quite manage it. So she goes to the bachelorette party where she meets Emma's fiance, Fran, 
who she seems a little surprised to discover that her fiance is a woman, but you know, 12. They dance and drink, and uh, then eventually Emma throws up on Cecilia and then tells her that she absolutely has to come to her hen's weekend, leading, I guess, leading up to their wedding. So she's gonna, they're going to go, all of them, to out into the Australian country somewhere and just have a weekend of debauchery. They even talk Cecilia into driving for them. So Cecilia drives Emma, Fran, Jamie, and Tracy out into the country. They do hit a kangaroo on the way. Because it's not a true horror movie unless you accidentally run into an animal on your way to wherever you're going. Fran does tell her that the humane thing is to go ahead and back over the kangaroo and make sure it's dead. Rather than leaving it out there or doing something about the fact that they've hit the kangaroo. I don't know what the procedure is for kangaroos. I have heard from people that live in Australia. They are dumb as shit. So, you know, this, this is the sort of thing that happens fairly regularly. As they're going along, the name Alex comes up as the person whose house they're going to. And it turns out that Cecilia does remember why her and Emma aren't friends anymore. And it has to do with Alex. We learn that Alex uh, was a rich bully who made fun of Cecilia, who called her sissy, who mocked her. And then we will learn shortly thereafter that Alex gave Emma the other half of a best friend's necklace, despite the fact that Cecilia was pretty sure she was Emma's best friend. This interaction ended with uh, Cecilia straight up stabbing Alex in the face with a trowel, the garden trowel. And it's also the exact moment when you know this movie is not going to be <laughs> fucking around with the gore. There is just straight up a garden trowel sticking out of a child's well, that, face. And then there's the there's kangaroo roadkill that they really held on. Like, they, we were really looking at this Rugas. Oh, yeah. Like, and that poor twitching kangaroo. Yeah, the, the twitching one. You go and read the credits, it does say some kangaroos were harmed in the making of this movie. Did it? That's not true. That's not it true. Was like, no, I no, thought it, it said the opposite. <laughs> that would be a weird thing to put in the up. credits. Is, we did kill some kangaroos. You're <laughs> so, welcome. You know? I wouldn't want to fuck with a kangaroo, but continue. So they get to Alex's uh, super nice, super rich house out in the middle of nowhere. We have learned through flashbacks that Alex is horrible and rich. And apparently her and Emma have continued to be best friends over all this time. We, we learned over social media. And Alex is not happy, surprisingly, to see Cecilia, the girl who I guess last time she saw her stabbed her in the face with a trowel and immediately starts doing her best to let everybody else know that uh, Cecilia is a psychopath who tried to kill her. Cecilia, for her part, is is doing her best to be chill and try and fit in and not hype herself up. But Emma wants to talk about nothing but how many followers that Cecilia has online. It's all getting really uncomfortable. And Cecilia ends up also having to sleep in the living room because there are no other beds. There's also a very messed up looking painting over of a woman over the uh, couch in there that she has to sleep under and Cecilia proceeds to have some really horrible nightmares about Alex and Alex weirdly rubbing her face all over Cecilia's hands before sticking Cecilia's hand into you know a gaping wound in the side of her face that was wild yeah 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 it's, it's a weird scene that very quickly becomes horrifying Cecilia wakes up to find that everybody else has already left. They left her a roadmap to the spot on the, I guess, creek where they are all hanging out. And she goes happily trotting off into the countryside to go find them, only to overhear Alex recounting the story of how uh, horrible Cecilia is and how she's the reason that her face is scarred. 
you know, basically telling everybody else that they shouldn't be friends with Cecilia and telling Emma that the only reason that she is friends with Cecilia is that she feels a need to save people. Everybody else eventually, shortly thereafter, leaves and Alex stays behind, realizing that Cecilia is there and has been listening to what she's saying. She then confronts her and Alex steals her phone and attempts to record her and then record herself talking about uh, everything that Cecilia has done to her, trying to post it to her social media. Cecilia is so panicked about this and Alex ruining her that in a sudden fit of passion, takes their special crystals that they have for their getaway and beans Alex over the head with it, causing her to bleed profusely and uh, appear to be dead. Cecilia then drags her body out into the brush and covers it up and is all set and ready to go back to greet everybody else when Jamie shows up drunk and high and quite wobbly and starts pissing all over where Alex's body is hidden. And Cecilia has to to step in to try and hide what's happened. And in the process, Jamie ends up falling on Alex's body, discovering it, and then attempts to run away from Cecilia all the way up to a very large cliff, uh, which he's backed up against. And Cecilia is uh, begging him to not tell people and to realize what's actually going on between her and Alex and that she didn't mean to hurt anybody. And it seems like that's going to go all right until they hear Tracy getting closer, yelling, looking for Jamie somewhere. And Jamie seems like he's about to have a a second thought about this and call out to Tracy when Cecilia shoves him right off the cliff. And he bounces several times on pieces of the cliff on the way down. Pretty comical. Yeah, Yeah. Jamie's death was hilarious, I, I have to say. A lot of the deaths felt like oh, I Dale versus Evil, where they're just like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you did this, but they also kind of killed themselves, if you think about it. <laughs> there was a time, some real Tucker and Dale versus Evil, which, holy shit, we have to do at some point, one of my absolute favorite like sure. movies. But God, yeah. I mean, seeing him like almost spin around the tree branch and then hit like every rock down. And then like you, they show you like his body later on and like, Everything like no limb is where it's supposed it's like to mid-summer. be in he connection to the yeah, door, so. yeah. His head yeah. doesn't get crushed with a hammer, but this movie does not fuck around. No, absolutely not. God. Yeah, oh. with Jamie gone, Cecilia decides to make her way back to the house to clean up and get all this dirt and everything off of her. She ends up running into Tracy, who is still just there watching trashy TV, and she has cut herself to make it look like. She has been hurt, and she was attacked by Alex. You know this movie's queer rep is authentic because it really does capture queer people's endless appetite for the most garbage television. <laughs> yeah. But she cheats on them. Tracy, like, watches without them. <laughs> True. Yeah, and the um, the show they're watching seems to be some sort of uh, Bachelor or Too Hot to Handle sort of show uh, that's called Paradise Lost. Paradise like, Lust. Right. Bachelor, a.k.a. Straight People yeah. Safari. Well, I, it's funny because the subtitles say Paradise Lost because it sounds like you're saying Paradise Lost. But the credits show it as Paradise Lust, which I think is a fantastic title. And I hope that they... That's a much better that show sounds title. sounds like porno. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for real. And it is perfect. Also a good title for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A Bash of Devils stood and saw how awful goodness is. 
I adore you. A reality show called Paradise Lost is just like, we took a bunch of angels, blindfolded them, and put them in the woods. How are they going to survive on Paradise Lost? Listen, I would fucking watch the shit out of an angel versus angel reality survival show. Like, I know you guys did the maths to, like, make the world or whatever. Can you survive in it, though? It's like a, a computer programmer trying to fix a car. Like... Anyway, so that's my story about angels, angel engineers, angeliers. I mean, nowadays, I'm, I'm pretty sure you do need to know programming to fix a car with all the fucking right to repair oh, software. God, I can't. I cannot. Like the moment that I found out that my acceleration pedal is just a computer button. Nope. Nope. Don't trust that. Don't trust that one. Yeah. Fucking bit. Yeah. I What's was like, the worst so- that could happen. Because nobody's ever had a fucking electronic button jam on them or just not work or yeah. respond. Never happened. Oh, God. Anyway. Fucking ass. I mean. Go back to big clunky technology. Give me physical switches and buttons that make noises when you hit them. Drive a stick. Drive a fun yellow car. Hire her pink. Engineering peaked with alien aesthetic. <laughs> Meanwhile, while all of this has been happening, Fran and Emma are out at some sort of third camping spot. Emma is is upset about her two longtime friends still being mad at each other and now mad at her. Fran is trying to soothe her with some, you know, light fingering, I guess. And <laughs> Emma is, is not in the mood for that, decides to go trudging off into the woods to uh, find her friends and apologize. Meanwhile, Fran, I guess, just hangs out by the fire and has a nice nap before waking up and finding herself out in the middle of the woods in the dark alone. Cecilia makes her way back to the house while she is doing so. Poor Alex wakes up and discovers that she has been beaten to death and buried, but not quite beaten to death. She is having some real trouble seeing and also speaking. She does find a mysterious phone that has been dropped off of a cliff, but still seems to be working, uh, before then finding Jamie's mangled body lying nearby. The Physics of how she finds all of this don't really make sense because Jamie fell off of a cliff past where she is buried. And then she just sort of crawls up to where Jamie's body is, which she would have had to crawl off of a cliff to get to. I'm not. Australia is just like that. Yeah, it's dragged by a dingo. Yeah, the, the physics of it don't make sense, but I guess they wanted to have sort of the discovery of Jamie's body. So it, you know, it works aesthetically, if not physically in the movie. She tries to call the police. But all she is able to do is make horrible uh, yelling noises, which I assume has something to do with her being uh, beaten nearly to death and buried. Okay, this fucking police officer, this man is in an entirely different movie, and that movie is an Australian remake of Super Troopers. What is he eating is what I have in my notes. He cover it looks like a pot pie, but he covers it in ketchup. Like what what's going on there? I think it's like a I assume some sort of savory savory or like just some sort of fried. Yeah, meat and potato mushrooms. patty. Mushrooms and ketchup do not go Sometimes they do, apparently. He has a line at the end of the movie where, like, and this is after everyone's dead. There's no more action, no danger. And he has a line where he's just trying to psych himself up and he goes, You got this. Yeah, you're a weapon. <laughs> That's what I say when trying to take a spider out of a house. <laughs> <laughs> well, in Australia, you need that. If you're in Australia exactly. trying to take a fucking spider out of your house, you have to be a weapon. Like everyone else, like you're in a horror, you're in a fucking psycho thriller. Cop man, 
fucking slapstick comedy. You got this, Bumble. I mean, someone gets slapped with a stick, all right. Like, yeah, this is this is actor Sean Martindale oh, playing Constable Martindale. <laughs> nothing, nothing out of like getting murdered in front of the same vagina forever balloons. Can we just talk about the fact that, like, when she's reaching back, the like part of her brain is exposed? I couldn't tell if that was her brain or if that was just like cracked skull and hair metal. That, that, like, I that looked like brain. brain. I thought it was yeah. brain. Yeah, her her head is not intact. Um, no, not. it is not. It is it is gory. I'm surprised she did like twitch whenever she was like touching it. <laughs> I think that's why she has aphasia. She like poked at like her language centers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of heads not being intact, Cecilia has made her way back to the uh, house and uh, is greeted by Tracy, who has been you know TV watching. Tracy bandages up her uh, self-inflicted wounds, runs her a bath. Which Cecilia goes and, and sits in with her Elon Mask while Tracy talks to her and fawns over the fact that she is sponsored by Elon Mask. Over the course of this conversation, it becomes clear that Tracy does think that Cecilia is maybe a little crazy or definitely was crazy as a kid, which is not sitting well with Cecilia. That mask quickly turns into a, a slasher mask as she is making big scary eyes through it. She's seemingly trying to uh, coax Tracy into listening to her and, you know, touching her nervously up till the point that she grabs Tracy and throws her into the bath. Tracy's hair gets stuck in the drain, and Cecilia goes ahead and just uh, watches her drown while she's flailing and ripping pieces of her scalp out as she's trying to, like, get away from this drain. How strong is that drain? Like, I feel like that was less of a drain and work, because that tub was, like, some fancy-ass, like, ion transfusion tub. Tracy talked a lot about ions. I don't know if they were involved in this. It's got little jets in the side. Did anyone just see an Australian drain and want to go back to the the Simpsons Australia episode and make sure the drains were going the same way? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't think to check what direction the drains were going this time. But uh, 90s Simpsons is so that's how deep classic Simpsons in my head that like as soon as I saw a drain, that's where my brain immediately went to is like, I know this from Simpsons. We got this. I mean, I'm just, I don't know if I'm surprised that in Australia, the tubs also try to kill you. But I think that was, that might have been a, like an intake for the pump system or something. Because it was like, yeah, that I mean, seemed was, way too strong for a drain. System, so it's, yeah. Yeah. Un- unclear. Cecilia really ramps up to like full scale murder. <laughs> Like, there's a certain level of, like, well, she's just doing small things or just taking inaction to kill people. And then it really just, like, ramps up until she is just pummeling someone. Yeah, there's a real, like, when she first hits Alex over the head, there's definitely a feeling of, like, Alex kind of had this coming. Like, Alex has been horrible and... and... Nobody feels bad that Alex got hit with a crystal. No, no sympathy for Alex. I I have... Very little sympathy for most of the victims, you know, in the grand scheme, but we'll get there. Yeah, and this is very much like heat of the moment kind of thing that she does to Alex. Jamie, it's like very much a crime of opportunity. Like, if she doesn't push him, there's a good chance she's going to be exposed. And all she really has to do is just just sort of lightly tap him over the edge of the cliff. Tracy, she pretty actively throws into the bath and watches die. But she's about to step it up to a whole nother level because Tracy is very dead. I guess Cecilia has decided that's it. This is this weekend is blown. Three merges is too much. 
there's no hope for coming back from this one. So she, <laughs> I mean, I do agree with that, that three murders yeah. is too yeah. much. Yeah. Who hasn't done that? She jumps in the little yellow car and zips off uh, into the countryside down the road. Unfortunately for Fran, she is awoken in the woods and uh, stumbles onto the road, finding that her new good friend Cecilia is there to help pick her up and take her back to the house. Fran can't seem to get her seatbelt unstuck and can't seem to get buckled up. And Cecilia seems to be having a bit of a panic attack where she's going faster and faster and talking about how unfair it is that Fran has Emma and has all of the things that Cecilia wanted. And for some reason, Cecilia never was able to have any of these things. And now she is alone. And regardless of how good of a person she is, it doesn't actually matter because she doesn't, she doesn't get anything that she wants. Fran is begging for Cecilia to stop, and Cecilia does, but maybe a little more quickly than what Fran was after. And Fran goes gliding out the front windshield and down the uh, road. Cecilia goes and checks on her in the road. She is still alive, but clearly has some broken bones and is not getting up anytime soon. And in one of the coldest line readings, Cecilia is like, it's the humane thing to do, and uh, goes back in the car and, and just runs her over in one of the most horrifying gore shots of this movie. God, it ruled. I loved it. We see Fran's entire head just, her eyes jelly and her head split open. Not only do they show it in full detail, they go goddamn Zack Snyder right? slow-mo on it. I'm surprised it, it didn't have like out. the charms blow pop sound effect. Like it, like <laughs> that eye shoots out of there. It was so much worse that like it wasn't Power just, Apple. oh, the head is gone. <laughs> just see, it's just like, hey, and then like almost kind of like go back out. Like it's just a bowl, like it's a ball that, that's been utterly deflated, but it's still vaguely still ball shaped. Like it was so, Ben, one of the things that you, one of the complaints, one of the many complaints that we had, and not to call you out because I, I, yeah, I am what and, I, and I am. Love you for it. And what I am is a sick yeah, piece of I shit. I mean, I, some David Cronenberg movies are my comfort films, but when we were complaining about the day them, one of the complaints was that all of the kills were really, really boring. And this is just a reminder that you can have a good movie with things to say. Things to say about queer people and also have really fun, like fucked up kills. So take notes. Sissy is such a more queer film than they slash them. Because of the murders, right? Well, this is like, it's such a prime example of like who the audience is for this thing, right? Like, Sissy is clearly made for a, a queer horror loving audience, whereas they, them feels. Like it's made for people who might have heard of non-binary people once and don't re- don't really know what that's about, and you know, like have some questions Look, and maybe of- some light prejudices. And this is like a push back against that kind of thing. Whereas, like, Sissy is like very gay, probably. Yeah. And I think that's so much of what makes the movie work is just how relatable yeah. it is. I mean, who hasn't, like, sapphic yearned for your best friend so hard you lose your mind a little bit and do some murders? No comment. That's called growing up. That is called growing up. Yeah. I actually kind of like that the um, psycho-lesbian trope is not in play here. Because I feel like in so many horror movies, the queer woman is the psycho Mm -hmm. who is, like, lusting after the straight woman. In this movie, the lesbians are, like, 
the stable ones and the presumably straight girl is a psycho. I, I yeah. think what you have here is, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, is a case of you kind of can do these tropes without it being harmful when your level of representation is high enough that the character embodying that trope isn't representing like the entirety yeah. of his identity where it's not, oh, here is the one incredibly queer coded character who is a psycho killer. It's like, yes, we have an incredibly queer coded character who is a psycho killer, but here is a multitude of queer characters who are not psycho killers. So like, the psycho killerness seems specific to Cecilia and not because she's right. queer. Yeah, I think like, it's it's interesting to me that obviously Emma and Fran and Jamie are all queer coded. Tracy feels like maybe is a little uncertain. I don't think she expresses much uh, lust either way. Alex, I think, is the only one that Look, is potentially. I'm going to go. Look, this is potentially me fucking putting my foot in my mouth and being an asshole. But I'm going to say. Tracy is bi and yet seems to only to ever date men. I mean, that seems in character. Yeah, that's my read on Tracy's character. There was there was some sort of inner like exchange with her and Jamie, which was interesting. That there was like some hugs and kisses, but I think that those were you know buddy. But right, yeah. those were yeah. buddy kisses. Well, because Jamie's clearly super super gay, so yeah. Yeah. those were those were some kiss your homie goodnight yeah. kisses. Just a bro. It's interesting. Cecilia is the only one that doesn't actually yeah. express any sort of like sexual desire or need or or crush, really. Like, mm-hmm. not to say that her feelings for Emma are not entirely unsexual or unromantic, but they are very specific to like this was her best friend and they were going to like have this pact where they were old ladies, you know, living at the nursing home together and still just like hanging out and shit. They'd be roommates. And this girl abandoned her for the rich, bitchy girl who, like, like mercilessly taunted Cecilia after, like, the other two became friends. I think the lack of explicit sexual desire on Cecilia's part is part of how her desires and wishes and conception of herself really seem to have frozen at 12 years old. They go to great lengths to show just how badly Cecilia wants to be liked. She wants right. people to to like her, to think she's a good person, to, yeah, you know, to care about her, which you know, pretty obviously goes back to that that moment of like her friend abandoning her and then her stabbing another girl in the face, and you know, needing to prove from there that also, she's a good person. Cecilia being obsessed with how things were in presumably the nineties or two thousands is the only fucking explanation I can think of for why this fucking influencer with hundreds of thousands of followers has this fucking janky ass 90s tv set well i was for specifically for their memories right hooking up the old like high camera yeah that's true but she does have that uh crappy old yellow car which emma had specifically said when they were kids that she wanted to drive an old yellow car and then well, that's what the things she says about her dreams when she's a kid, right? Is yeah. like, I don't want anything to change. I just want yeah. to be like this forever. Exactly. There's some single white femaleness to it, but also engaged gay femaleness <laughs> instead. Yeah, I, there, there seems to be sort of this feeling of like, why can't she love me when clearly she's very capable of loving a woman? Like, 
mm-hmm. why did Fran get yeah. this and I can't get anything? You know, like I think there's a bit definitely a feeling that Cecilia like would have been cool with a romantic relationship with Emma if she had had any idea that that was a possibility and doesn't seem like she did though. Because Emma is also very well, clearly even... in the younger sections of the movie where we see the younger versions of them kissing up on this this poster of a singer, I guess he is. I don't, no, I it's Jake Gyllenhaal. Was it Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal? That was okay. Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. Was it Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> All right. So yes, Jake Gyllenhaal. It's either by or Jake Gyllenhaal is compat. That's good. I mean, Jake Gyllenhaal, I wouldn't say is like the flag bearer for straight masculinity or anything like that but like you know i it, it's a feels complicated especially if we're talking early 2000s jake gyllenhaal there's a bubble boy jake gyllenhaal is very different from brokeback mountain jake gyllenhaal yeah yeah i mean early 2000s we're talking like brokeback mountain times so i don't know yeah the worst would have been like oh no you had a poster of nightcrawler jake <laughs> gyllenhaal yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Jeremy, to go back to your original point, uh, you mentioned the whole, why can't she love me? Yeah. There is kind of like a character foil between Fran and uh, Cecilia and that they're both black. They're both attractive. They're both kind of in this mental health space, but Fran is actually working on like a medical degree. And so there there seems to be like the, well, what does she have that I don't like? I, I think in Cecilia's eyes, there is this whole, we're basically the same person. Like, how do you, how are you cool with her, but not with me? Yeah, and like Fran got everything Cecilia wanted and might have gotten had her life not been sort of ruined at the age of 12. We don't find out a lot about what Cecilia's life was like between 12 and whatever age in their 20s this is happening. But like, presumably it's not been good since she is still sort of stuck in this this mental space around this particular uh, event. We still got two more murders to get to. <laughs> because... <laughs> Cecilia does get back to the house just in time to run into Emma, who has uh, finally stopped looking for Alex and come back to the house. Uh, Cecilia tries to convince Emma that Alex attacked her and tried to kill her. But Emma, being a fairly smart protagonist, notices that uh, Cecilia is wearing the other half of the best friend's necklace that belonged to Alex and her. And so does maybe one of the smarter moves that I've ever seen from like a horror protagonist and tries to like very calmly talk to Cecilia and state that she believes her repeatedly and is like, we should definitely call the cops if that's what happened. And Cecilia is like, oh no, no, we should not do that. And eventually ends up having to knock Emma unconscious and tie her up so that she can force her to watch the, uh, recorded video of them as kids that she keeps trying to get her to watch throughout. And uh, so they, she can dye her hair. So they both have pink hair. Like they talked about wanting in the video. She goes through such lengths as to uh, tape Emma's mouth shut and draw a smile over it. Then things go really sideways because Emma manages to uh, cut her way out of this thing. While Cecilia's in the other room tackles Cecilia. They have a fight. They go back and forth a few times. Emma ends up on top of Cecilia, beating her up. It looks like Cecilia's lost this fight until Alex shows up, having worked her way back with uh, Jamie's crutch that she found and sees through her messed up at this point eyes, somebody with pink hair beating up somebody else and proceeds to uh, beat that pink haired person into a literal pulp before figuring out that it's Emma that she was doing this to. 
Cecilia goes ahead and records all of this on her phone while it's happening. And then Emma is about to uh, try and kill Cecilia as well when the cop finally shows up and kills uh, kills Alex in the process while witnessing Alex trying to kill Cecilia. Going for that head. Yeah, shoots Which, her right in the head. Also, by the angle, the way it appears, did it seem like she had been shot from the front and the bullet just kind of crumpled yes. against her skull yes. like Superman. It, it reminded me of, what is it, uh, Wolverine in one of the X-Men movies has that happen, Yeah, where it just yeah. stops yeah. and is yes. out of Indian skull. <laughs> yes. And I had the thought, wait, does Alex have superpowers? And then my next thought was like, wait, what kind of fucking guns do the Australian police <laughs> no, have? She, she does pull the bullet out, but it has apparently come all the way through her head on the way there. And lots well, of brain matter opening. follows it out behind. Yeah, and then... Yes, that is the explanation. <laughs> I, I do like the version where it just can't, where this bullet just can't even break I like the, the idea that the cop used the head wound as a target. Like, she was running, yeah, she was running with a, an aluminum bat. It was a crutch, yeah. I was gonna say, all training definitely says aim for right. center mass. But then nothing about this cop in his two scenes implies he has received any training. And if he did, he was very oh, bad yeah. at that it. He was, he was probably drunk. Well, maybe not drunk. He does he does threaten to kick his friend off of the netball team for calling the police station drunk, not realizing that it is a injured woman calling who can is only capable of <laughs> Again, vocals, vocally screaming. This guy is in an entirely different fucking movie. <laughs> He's, is he's in what like, we do in the shadows. Like he's yeah. <laughs> this guy has transferred from Wellington yes. PD. Yes, thousand percent. But it is impressive how much damage she manages to do with that crutch to uh, Emma's face. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. a lot of force behind it. You know, speed plus acceler. Wait. Get there. You can do it. Oh my god. <laughs> No. Fast times acceleration. acceleration. Fast times equals- acceleration. So whatever what she l- left in mass, she had an acceleration, and that's force. Yeah. So uh, Cecilia is the last survivor. The cop encourages her to just uh, stay there while he secures the house, make sure there's nobody else there. And Cecilia goes on to uh, go back to being an influencer who is now super popular and has a book because she survived this massacre that Alex totally did to all of her friends. And now she has millions of followers instead of tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers, which means she wins the end. Yeah. And she's Uh, so happy at the end. Yeah. And for a moment, I thought it was like some kind of dream or something because she was in this like pink void. But maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Doesn't matter because, you know, she'll probably never do it again. Right. I mean, Australia. now she just has all all the reasons she needs to be loved. Them. That's the that's the important thing. That was one of the things about earlier is that in the midst of, I think she was in the woods or something, and she was actually she did post in the middle of this whole situation. I think it was between a couple of the deaths that she said Alex did this, and she was posting to her account. She's her call for help. We're not sure if it was Alex, Emma, or her who really got the police there. With the followers, I mean, I don't know if they know where she is, though. So, I mean, since it was the same cop, I assumed it was Alex. Yeah, I, yeah. for like when Emma was still like on the phone with the cops, I just kept thinking, like, say her name, say the name of the person killing you, of the person attacking you. Yeah, this is how she's gonna get away with it because you don't say her fucking name. Yeah, one of the best details is that when she starts recording, 
Uh, so Celia goes, thank you. Let's just- yeah, yeah. As Alex is beating the shit out of Emma and Cecilia's like, thank you. And that's when Alex realizes that she's beat the shit out of the wrong person. I have a question for the forum. Okay. Does this movie have, does this movie have something specific to say about social media and what? I think that toxic positivity is an issue is what it has to say. And also that you can't replace like real world affection with followers because we notice throughout the movie, whenever um, Cecilia starts freaking out, she just goes onto her Instagram and sees all the positive comments from her followers. And that, like, gives her the boost she needs. Which, like, there's nothing wrong with, you know, reading compliments about yourself and be like, oh, I feel good. But she does this after she murders someone. <laughs> like, she, she fucking murders someone and then she, like, immediately goes on and she's like, Okay, people like me. I'm still a good person, even though I just murdered somebody. Yeah, I have enough. Yeah, it definitely feels like this movie definitely has an understanding of social media that a lot of movies about social media don't. This is this persona that this person is putting on. It's who they want to be that's online. And it's not necessarily who they actually are. You know, and a lot of this like toxic positivity is them not dealing with like seriously bad stuff that's happened to them and you know not being able to move forward well and you see in her in the beginning um she has like her space she does the podcast of but then she gets up to her apartment and her apartment's like just trashed it's Mm -hmm. such a mess and she's like eating cold pizza out of the the fridge and i mean i'm not gonna judge what other people (laughs) eat but you would expect her to eat like healthier because she kind of preaches that lifestyle and then she goes to watch TV and the news is on, but it's too depressing. So she changes to like some like gallow reality on, shows. On her janky ass 90s <laughs> TV. They don't even, you can't even get live TV on those anymore. Maybe you can in Australia, but you can in the, uh, you know, you, in the Well, States. what you do is you have your Roku set up with your 90s TV and you have that nice coax con- connector. You gotta have a converter at this point. You gotta have something yeah. between the wall and the TV in order for that. Y'all to work. are yeah. so old. <laughs> Back in my days, Game Boys were in color. They were green. I remember that. I, I, I. Back in my day, all the Macintoshes were seen, and there was only 150 Pokemon. I was about to say 151 Pokemon. Oh, That's gonna be my guess. I remember computers when they were beige. <laughs> I think with this movie does well with social media is depicting the kind of like uh, addictive nature of it. Like so when you see like her eyes dilate, we see like this is like a physical, chemical, bodily reaction she is having. Like this is a near chemical dependency on social media positivity and attention and validation. Yeah. And again, it's not there's nothing wrong with seeking validation, but like you mentioned, Ben, she she's addicted to it. She's just yeah. taking it too far. Yeah. Right. Like, this is her stress mechanism, is that her response to murdering somebody is, let me make, let me post a quick vid so I don't have to deal with the thoughts that I'm a bad person that I murdered someone. I'm going to get my almost, like, my chemical good person hit right. from this. Like, the way you'd almost, like, someone else, I don't know, take a hit of meth after a stressful day. She's like, let me... Let me get them. Let me post a vid and get that engagement yeah. high. Well, and it also has real status. Also, how much time did she have to? How much time did she have to bury Alex? 
<laughs> and with what? She made a whole fucking pattern and stuff like that. Like she found a tree. Like, goddamn. Yeah. Also, how about Emma? Just Emma getting defeated <laughs> by like a stream. <laughs> like, there's a whole thing where like Emma's just like in this like shallow river. They were chilling in and then just get swept away yeah, she, presumably she for did hours. get defeated by a stream that was perhaps two feet deep you can't unless this was one of those weird like crevasse rivers which still well, you I don't know, know in australia the streams run backwards so it's a little harder to oh yeah she couldn't she could figure <laughs> <Yeah>. out <laughs> fight the current because it was backwards so when you stream upstream when you when you're swimming against the current you're actually swimming with it yeah other moments I want to point out because they made me laugh was when Alex stole the phone and was like filming a video. It was like, can you see my scar? And I'm like, no, I can't. The video yeah, resolution on that Instagram video is not good right? enough. I, it is not showing up on the screen. Just the the one of the things that I loved about the social media thing was that there's sort of like real status or cachet here and that. They're all kind of surprised that she has more followers than Alex. Like that you're a nobody. Like you, who are you? How do you have two hundred thousand followers? And so, even though there is that kind of addictive dopamine hit of getting the likes and getting all the comments, there's a real status thing there where it's like, well, yeah, but like I've put in the work and I've connected with the Hemsworth and I've, you know, I'm yeah. hawking these masks and such. And so, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Well, just they're all so mean. They to really her are. Yeah, for so no I, reason. Like y'all invited her out. Well, I guess Emma invited her out. But. Yeah. Okay. I do. I do want to talk about Emma because for as much as Emma is the victim, I have some thoughts. Like Emma's behavior is questionable. Yeah. Before we get to that, I just wanted to say about the social media. Like they all have fucking phones. We have established that they have phones and use them, and there is in fact signal out in this nowhere house, right? Yes. Oh my God. Thank God a movie where they actually yeah. had signal. Like, it's a role for all the good it does to Let's, see a movie. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's they make the, the thing. Why, calling point, the police. Like, why do, yeah, like, why does it even matter moral. if there's yeah. signal in these horror movies? The police are always. Well, and, and that's another thing is that, like, in other movies, there is a conceit, and calling the police is going to be the thing that fixes the, the problem. So the plot will end. It no, never it's ends. not. Even every movie where they manage to call the police, it is never the solution with the possible exception of child. Yeah, play. and just like in real life. Yeah, if you, the only yeah. reason you should call the police first is if you get attacked by a doll. It's the most realistic part of most horror yeah, movies. Yeah, so police are good against dolls. So and next time you get attacked by a mannequin, well, it depends on the color of the mannequin, probably. <laughs> Holy fuck. Oh boy. You are not wrong, but... Yeah, sorry, Oof. but I mean, we got to be real. Oof. But social media to these people. So this movie is interesting to me. Usually you have a pretty distinct decision in the messaging of the movie where it's going to land with the social media. Sometimes maybe there's a twist where it's like, well, the social media helped this time. In this case, social media was a factor, but the judgment for Cecilia's work on social media comes from these assholes. And I think it's very important to point out that these assholes are totally 100% into the same shit that she is hawking. Like, she says that she's like a, they say psycho, psych, psychological advisor or something like that. She's a spiritual advisor is what she is. Yeah. Yeah. The movie really makes sure 
to ramp you up like the murder slope and how you're supposed to feel like about Cecilia by I think the movie is very strategic in killing off the two meanest characters yeah first and I think that there is a respect for the audience in this movie that there's not like a a solid like yay or nay when it comes to the social media because everybody is on social media there like everybody and that's why everybody is so surprised that Cecilia is as much of an influencer as she is because they all think that they're hot shit right and I don't know what Alex does I can only assume that it has something to do with art because I feel like the picture she drew was or the, the picture on the wall was a picture she painted uh, as some part of processing her trauma because it is very much like supposed to reflect Cecilia, you know, and I think Cecilia recognizes that as they become, you know, she begins to talk to the painting, you know. Yeah, I think uh, Alex strikes me as being professionally rich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Friends on social media and maybe does something creative on social media because that's what you do. Yeah. Instead of like having something to say other than this thing that happened to her, you know, when she was a child, which like none of these characters must have siblings because siblings do fucked up shit to each other when they're young. I've known a few people whose siblings have just about almost killed them, like to push them out of cars and shit when they were 12. Yeah. And they're, you know, still buddies, you know. So obviously Alex doesn't have siblings because this is the most traumatizing thing that ever happened to her in her life. And while it's not cool, this is something that kids were being awful to each other. And sometimes when, especially when you're like, kids are bullying each other and they're taunting each other, shit happens and it's fucked up. But they're also kids. I think that there's there's something to be said about Alex's preoccupation with that. And then also Cecilia is preoccupied with something else in her past. But I've gotten off track with my thing about social media. The bottom line here is, I think it's interesting that everybody who is criticizing Cecilia's social media like involvement are completely hypocritical, yeah. um, and obviously hypocritical. It's like it's a jealousy thing, which feels very on brand for a group of toxic, like close toxic friends. Yeah, what I think is interesting in this, and I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I think it's like kind of suss out a little bit is how little like race is discussed or even mentioned in this movie but also like in the way it plays out does seem to have like an importance um and i don't know if you know the intention was for it to initially just be a class thing and the way that it ended up being cast it was you know also a race thing but you know you have cecilia especially as this you know black character who was friends with a little blonde white girl who like met another rich little white girl and decided that they were going to be friends now. And uh, Cecilia as the black friend gets sort of like chucked aside and taunted and everything by this girl for what seems like a variety of, of nebulous reasons, including just her name, but also that she doesn't have the same money that Alex does and that she seems really upset about losing Emma as a friend. I want to know what happens to these, these like mean ginger twins <laughs> in the present. Oh, I'm... Like what? What happened to these bully twins? I think twins? they got told by their dad at a hotel. <laughs> oh no, they're still there. They're just really bored. Yeah. and I the the only other black character we have is Fran, who I think is the only victim who's blameless in this movie. She doesn't like doesn't really engage in like messing with Cecilia. She just she's uh, also. 
kind of she's shitty, not though. great yeah she, yeah mm. especially for someone that's supposed to be like a trained mental health professional she does a whole lot of things that are kind of just yeah you wouldn't say that if you were heading down this track i don't think so I, she's not antagonistic but she's not a good person it's not her job to be a mental health professional to this person who has come to her, you know, bachelorette party, basically. Well, no, but she doesn't say shit. Like, nobody says shit when Alex is being an asshole. She does laugh when Alex is, like, making fun of Cecilia's name, which is completely right. off off topic when you're talking about, For a future about, psychologist, like, she seems yeah. to lack empathy. Like, she just... Yeah is in no ways interested in trying to understand where Cecilia is coming from. Like, Yeah. And maybe she's also like, she's, she seems at the very beginning, like a little bit jealous. Cause I think she recognizes the foil element there. I feel like that's fair. I feel like if you're getting ready to marry somebody in like a matter of days and suddenly there's this person who's their best friend who you've never heard of before, who is just like at your bachelorette party and that your fiance is suddenly like literally all over, like on top of, you know, singing yeah. songs with is is like pouring over her. It's fair to be like, should I be worried? Like, it seems well, like maybe I should. Well, be she worried. even says that too. She's yeah. like in the scene. She's like, should I be worried? Well then, I mean, I think after Emma like vomits all over Cecilia, that's when Fran is like, okay, I can forgive this situation because obviously like, all right, this sucks for everyone. <laughs> Let me tell you this. What's the name of that? The actress slash director who plays Emma. Uh, Hannah Barlow. Hannah Barlow. That's off because a, a woman of many talents, because not only is this movie great, she directed it, you know, she co-directed it, but yeah. And starred in it. She, I swear she was actually drunk. Uh, if she wasn't drunk, she, she deserves an Oscar. Because <laughs> I have never seen such a incredibly accurate depiction of white girl drunk in a film that isn't like, like, I don't know. She was somehow sympathetic while also being cartoonishly drunk. The like little trickle of vomit that comes out all over Cecilia's shirt. It was just like perfectly... Like, it was so nuanced. It was great. And then Fran did that thing where she put the little sparkles on Cecilia's face and everything seemed so freaking wholesome. And that was beautiful. Did any of you watch this movie with headphones? Did I? No. So there's a lot There's a lot of really great sound cues at different times. So when she spreads on the, like, sparkles on her eyelids, you get a nice, like, beautiful chime. Uh, there's that time where it switches from night to day and the moon comes on with like an audible sound effect. Like it's the sound in this was astounding at different times. It was so good. Yeah. It, well, this sort of magical realism that was going on with yeah. like the kind of childlike sparkles and stuff like that, that were just kind of a projection of Cecilia. And it wasn't like too much that it broke the reality, but it wasn't just enough for that style, which I thought was. I loved it. Great. Yeah, yeah I, I think like right in line with that. And speaking of Hannah Barlow, this movie is incredibly crafted, like <laughs> the the directing, the sound, the like way that everything is put together. And some there's a lot of places where it's just things that happen that you're like, if I was making this movie, I wouldn't have thought to do that. But it's done incredibly well. This would have been a fantastic no. drama film. But then when they added, like, A, the fucked up kills, and B, like, the weird horror, like, the sound cues, 
it was, you know, it's it's like when you see a movie that you think should be a horror movie, but it's not, you're really confused. And in this case, this movie knew exactly what it was. And it was like, the bullying was almost as traumatizing as the head popping. I will say that. And then like Cecilia, and I think that they did a fantastic job with with Cecilia's casting because she could make this so, such an innocent like smile. Like when she smiled, you could see the 12 year olds. And so good. And then like, there was a cognitive dissonance when she was just killing people because she looked so sweet. Uh, Aisha D is yes. incredible. Like this is legit a tour de force performance from Aisha D. This is like a star in the making. Like she's got it. Like watch this person blow the fuck up because she is so good in this movie. But I do think the best acting performance in the movie goes to the pregnant lady in the store <laughs> who's fucking incredible. She's also in her own movie. Yes. Oh, yes. I'm walking uh, here. Yeah, as, oh, my oh, great. God. I, I love that she oh threw in the I'm God. walking here since she's going through the parking lot almost getting hit. Then she's like, oh, no, it's I'm just pregnant. It's fine. And then just grunts as she like the groan as she bends over to pick up the stuff. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting to like see this and think just just top tier. I think like Aisha D is so so good, and like previous to this, her other two biggest things are TV shows. She was in The Bold Type, which ended in 2021, and previous to that, uh, she is also one of the the main girls from The Saddle Club, the uh, girls riding horses TV show, which she was. That's uh, a thing. Oh yeah, I believe it's an Australian thing, but like it's, I'm sure it's uh, very accessible on online well lesbians love their horse stories so <laughs> yeah yeah no, i think you're right that like aisha d is obviously incredible and then her working with hannah barla who directs it is one of the co-stars she also sings one of the credit songs and so Ooh. you just get like yeah the ode to narcissa is uh hannah barlow singing and so you just she's She's incredible. They're both great. Like, I want to see more stuff from most of them. A, a real Rebecca Sugar over here, just doing all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I think everybody in the main cast is really good. The, the rest of them have less to do than Aisha D and, and Hannah Barlow. But like, yeah, I think it's like they're all really solid. And the movie, the movie itself is really solid. We talked a little bit about like the the race stuff in there, the class stuff in there, but also like Obviously, it it's probably one of the better movies like that we've seen about handling LGBTQIA plus people and yes. themes. It does it seemingly effortlessly by them being real people and like it not being like we especially compared to like they them, which feels the need to like over explain everything. This this movie is very much like they're lesbians. It's fine. <laughs> like. There was a moment where I thought that I, I was tricked. They them had tricked me because I had thought that Cecilia may be non-binary because nobody was able to see her for a little bit. And she was using her non her magical non-binary powers of invisibility as established in they them. But then I realized, A, straight people, only straight people see in binary, straight people can see NBs. And B, I don't think she was quite there yet. But I hope that she finds herself on her journey, whether it be a non-binary journey, a gender journey, or or what, as long as she doesn't kill anybody nice. <laughs> Everyone who died kind of deserved it. I mean, the the bullying 
I think that, okay, let me start over here. Mm -hmm. I'm so brimming with emotion about this because I think one of the important things about this movie, as Ben said, is that the characters didn't feel burdened by the weight of representation, right? Mm. A lot of um, American directors are very aware of the tropes and of the stigmas and things like that. And so they try to dance around these things or address them in really, really hackneyed ways. So the fact that all these characters were alternately funny, initially like rather likable, and then very realistically shitty, I felt was a really noteworthy representation of how tight-knit groups of people can just become almost deadly assholes to each other and to the to the people outside. Because even inside the group, people were assholes. And nobody was saying shit to Alex. It wasn't like Alex was was getting some jabs under the radar or whatever. Like, everybody was thinking that Alex was funny because she was being shitty. But, like, she was completely unreasonable because she gave she gave Cecilia no room and then she would not explain it like there was no communication going on and Emma when she was younger also didn't really do anything you know whether or not she she felt guilty about that she obviously didn't feel guilty enough about it to remember that that's why they weren't friends anymore right Mm -hmm. and she obviously didn't notice that as much as Alex is shitty she didn't notice that this would be like such a triggering situation and it's so funny now, like thinking about this versus they them, which is also a, like a revenge fantasy, but it, it is so dissociated from itself because it has no understanding of what it of who it's talking to. But then this movie knows exactly who it's talking to and you know understands that fantasy of being the person ostracized for no good reason by a bunch of shitty people. And I think that's neat. Yeah, I think it's interesting to me, like that I feel like part of the central conflict is that as a 12 year old kid like cecilia is isolated from her peers and and pushed away and treated horribly starting with being weird and clingy to her female friend and those people get to go on and like live lives where they themselves are weird and queer and you know having their own like lives but like cecilia doesn't doesn't get to move on and I think, like, it's really interesting the way that they play Emma in this, because, like, the idea that Emma doesn't even realize that this would be an issue for either of them. Like, mm-hmm. that, like she just doesn't remember that this is why she isn't friends with Cecilia anymore. And, like, that this is a thing that would be triggering for, mm-hmm. you know, Alex, no matter how, no matter how shitty Alex is. Like, it yeah. is obviously, like, a anything that sets her off so like the the fact of of emma this sort of like you know pretty blonde character who's everybody's friend and doesn't stand up to anybody just sort of like being carried along by all of her friends while not realizing all of the shit that everybody else is going through is uh it's a really interesting portrayal to me and i i think speaks to it speaks to a lot of people on the internet who like just don't seem to realize that any of these things are problems until they come up in conversations or they get told on Twitter that they shouldn't say things that would bother people. They, they think, oh, people are so sensitive now. It's like, no, those people have always been bothered by this. This is yeah. just the first time you've ever noticed. Yeah, like these problems have been here a long time. I remember thinking watching this that if this were Denzel Washington or John Krasinski, you would direct it, write it, and also star in it. 
you wouldn't <laughs> be a co-star. You would be the central figure. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that she puts herself in this unlikable position. Yeah, and she understands what is unlikable about it, which I think is really... I can always... I always get respect from an actor who plays, who understands how shitty the character they are is, and, like, even when it's cartoony. Like, when Dave Bautista was the, the like, MRA guy in Glass Onion, I was like, get it. <laughs> yeah, get I it. love fucking yeah. Bautista as the MRA yeah. guy. Yeah, I love that. And then his mom just fucking yeah. slaps him. Oh, love me some glasses. I, I think it's interesting that she does so cast herself as this character who would definitely think she is the protagonist of this story. Like, this yeah, is her. Right. This is her bachelorette weekend. Her her hens thing, and she like just wants to be friends with everybody. She just wants everybody to get along, and you know, invites these people along without actually thinking about like what any of this would mean to them and what it'll do to them. You know, yeah. she just in her mind, she's just trying to like be good to everybody and she's not really thinking about anybody's feelings at all which is interesting right. because cecilia is doing the same thing with her her social media but she doesn't have any like personal bonds that that involves right like there's a real quick bit earlier in the movie where somebody suggests that you know what if he, someone reached out to you and that you were able to chat with them in their dms and then they killed themselves wouldn't you be in, at fault and these people, including, well, Fran doesn't make any, like, doesn't voice any. Uh, Fran has a moment of like, oh, come on, go hold on, guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. She's as far as she gets. Yeah. Like, the second that someone says, well, I'm, a, I'm not really a psychological advisor. They never say that. But, like, I'm, I'm more of, like, a spiritual advisor. You know, I think they would all be down. But the fact that cecilia was like forced into this quarter of being branded as a con artist's like therapist which is not what she is she just says things like hey let's imagine a rope which is that that was a bit of a, a loaded i was expecting that rope to to circle around other things at some point in the movie but it, it never did which i'm kind of glad for because that's kind of triggering imagery but her like rope boundary around herself with her pink bespoke rope that she uses as part of her like meditation sessions and like that's just somebody being like you know what i think is cool about flowers this you know flowers can see because they reflect light in a certain way and that's kind of like seeing right like nobody's gonna fucking tell her that she's doing fake news <laughs> right like there's a difference between that and like actually saying like flowers will cure cancer and she is not saying that but the fact that they all jump on her you know that's also a very like big thing that's going on with like more progressive cliques right there's a lot of competition and and disruption that goes on with between people who've gone through it who you know have been going through their queer identity crisis and you know, that kind of stuff and they still are very quick to react and quick to to label because they want to be on the right side of the argument and you know it's valid to want to be part of the solution but there is this like social dogpiling that's going on on the heels of that i think we've all kind of come across these influencers on tiktok and instagram and such i know my whole feed is just stuff about parenting and food none of these people are experts they're all just kind of enthusiasts who have in a lot of ways kind of logical tips of hey you should do this not that or have you considered trying this if this is a problem for you yeah and i wonder if part of the commentary is the the 
someone is wrong on the internet of the, I, w- I want to say these things to these people, but not as just a comment. I want to like put them in their place. And so I wonder if this is the whole group kind of saying, well, what, like, what do you know? You're not, you're not trained. You're just someone telling people to do stuff with rope. Uh, and so since she is the only person they kind of have access to, she bears the brunt of their criticism, but she is not any way more culpable than other people on the internet. She's again, just someone who's trying to help or trying to share what she's learned or just sort of, I don't know. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like what Morgan said about the toxic positivity is that I feel like Emma really exemplifies a like of more of a microcosmic toxic positivity within a friend group. Her inaction is incredibly toxic. And she is thinking that she's being neutral in all of this is the right thing to do when it obviously isn't. You know, and she also didn't like she didn't tell anybody Well, she didn't tell Alex that she was inviting another person to her hen's party, too. So, like, yeah, Emma, as much as Emma is idealized through the eyes of Cecilia, we very much know that she is not a perfect person. Well, and the fact that she was friends with a bully in the first place. Yeah. Like, and didn't stand up for her friend or do anything. I mean, when she was 12 and, you know, she's probably terrified of it. Uh, I mean, I'm doing a lot of projection here, but that's one of the things I love about this movie is that it does respect the audience to see the intricacies of these social situations. Yeah. Like Emma's terrified of Alex, you know, and Alex is trying to terrify Cecilia. And then Alex mm-hmm. is upset when Cecilia fights instead of flights, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, like you said, it- it's they were 12 but it's one thing when you're 12 it's another thing when you're adults and she knows she presumably she knows that alex is a bully and we're we see that alex is still a bully as an adult and she kind of like just goes along with it that's true Um, there's a thing that people say about how like if you choose to be neutral then you're like siding with the oppressor and she's like oh i'm just gonna be neutral and i want everyone to get along and like that isn't gonna happen and she needs to like she she needs to basically pick a side either she needs to say that like i shouldn't invite cecilia because she stabbed my best friend and that's gonna be incredibly traumatizing for alex or i need to stop being friends with alex because she was a bully who tortured cecilia and she hasn't really changed that much since she was a child mm-hmm. but she doesn't she thinks that everyone can just like get along and that she doesn't have to pick a side because it's like she doesn't want to be the bad guy yeah although i feel like she's also trying to get she wants everyone to get along because it's her hen's weekend that's fair that's fair but i mean that's not an excuse to watch your friends get bullied and pushed around and and like traumatized and shit like she told alex that she forgot that she invited cecilia but they had like a four-hour drive yeah (laughs) right yeah oh also again man fucking alex is stealing her phone and being like i'm just gonna post a video on the channel that is your life i would hit her with a power crystal too yes but well, also like, why did like, she not have like a screen lock why does she not have a lock on her phone right <laughs> this whole situation would have been like averted if she just locked her phone yeah or i mean she may have well i don't know but yeah this a lot of these phones seem to not have auto lock <laughs> yeah, put your locks on your phones, kids. Yeah, auto lock saves lives or saves good lives. 
Yeah. All right. I feel like we've talked about all of our points here. I feel like I know the answer for this for all of us, but uh, would you guys recommend this movie for other people? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, mind the content because it is very rough content wise. You know, there's the animal cruelty of the, you know, it's not real. Um, Very puppet kangaroo. Very puppet kangaroos. Yes. That being said, it is a really funny movie as well. I mean, it's horrifying, but it's also hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I watched this movie. This movie is great. Yeah. The the only thing I'd touch people about is the the deaths in this are very gory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gore. Gore for say. It's very over the top gore. Yeah. If you're squeamish, you're going to be squeaming. I think maybe that's where I, I came down on the like Fran thing that I was like, Fran is, is more or less blameless because Fran gets the worst death. Like Fran's death is yeah. horrible. And yeah. usually like usually at a slasher like this, people's deaths are in some way like consummate with how awful they are, which, I you know, ultimately Alex gets a really bad end and that she ends up killing her own friend without realizing it and then getting shot in the head after being half bludgeoned half to death and having to drag herself through the wilderness but yeah fran gets a very gory and horrifying death well i think that there might be some uh reflection upon her treatment of the kangaroo earlier because she yeah. was the one oh, who no, suggested obviously. that yeah that the that the kangaroo be put out of its misery under a tire which is like i mean it's also you know it is australia so they don't just have guns handy to shoot at or That's anything true. like that yeah yeah, kangaroos are terrifying. I just wanted to get that out. Kangaroos are terrifying. They're don't fuck with kangaroos. What was it a kangaroo? Because it was so small, it kind of seemed more like a wallaby. Yeah, well, I think it was a like a female or something. Because the males get so they they like, get I, ripped. Males yeah. are jacked. Yeah, they, they are so jacked. Like I have not seen other than a, than a, like a gorilla. I have not seen an animal with pecs, and kangaroos have pecs. Like you know how in Tank Girl in the movie. They had to like pe- make kangaroo people and make that make mm-hmm. sense. In the comics, if they were just kangaroos, like that was just what they were. They just happened to wear jackets. Like Tanko straight up fucks a kangaroo. There's no human in there. Although apparently Booga was, you know, the movie part dog. But I'm really happy that you're all with me on this. I feel don't, like the commentary is taking a turn and uh, <laughs> from don't fuck with kangaroos to maybe fuck kangaroos. I don't know. If you're Tank Girl, certainly you can fuck a kangaroo. That is a wild oh. pull quote. <laughs> that is. I'm saying, like, if you can fuck a and, tank, and, you can fuck a and kangaroo. Not an, and also an accurate description of tank yeah. girl. But it, seriously, folks, unless you're tank girl and you're not, because she doesn't listen to podcasts. I feel like that's the title. Tank girl doesn't listen to podcasts. Yeah. So everybody else is on the uh, recommending sissy train, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Em- Emily recommends. Sissy and also fucking kangaroos. So, um, if you're Tank Girl, I recommend Bridesmaids. I recommend Tank Girl. That's my recommendation. Go check out Bridesmaids, starring Kristen Wiig, Maya Rudolph, Rose Byrne, and Melissa McCarthy. Really great movie. It's been a while since I've seen Bridesmaids, but I really, I really enjoyed it when I watched it. Do you, uh, Morgan? Do you have a recommendation? Not off the top of my head, but I have a lot of great recommendations on my blog. If people want to check that out, <laughs> people should check that out, regardless. Yeah, um, I recommend whether they want to or work. not. Uh, <laughs> uh, what about you, Emmanuel? You got anything? Uh, I had a couple. I think the most obvious one is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It's 
does the whole like queer thing. It does the whole isolated thing. It's gory. It's humorous. It's fun. It, it was worth that it, one next so. week. That's a great one. Yeah. It was it was a good time. Yeah. Emily, what have you got? Oh, I was I can't actually think of Tank anything. Girl? Maybe actually Tank Girl, because like also the other thing about the Tank Girl comics. Nothing so really. You have a vendetta against the movie, is what you're saying. Absolutely not. <laughs> Jeremy, don't do this to me. Emily hates the Tank Girl movie. No, there was I not don't. enough fucking I don't, in it. I don't hate there's plenty of kangaroo fucking in that movie. Duck Jones is in that movie as a, a kangaroo who fucks. But like, anyway, yeah, I'm just going to say Tank Girl. Tank Girl. Watch uh, this movie again. <laughs> the movie I'm going to recommend, it's been actually on my mind a lot recently. It is also sort of a social media and internet related horror movie. That's really been something I've been thinking about with all the like AI stuff that's going on. It's the movie Cam, which is about a, a cam girl. Right. A, a sex worker who you know me- meets in some people in person but mostly does her stuff online through you know one of these cam girl websites and begins finding somebody who is impersonating her posting online that appears to look like her who is you know basically stealing her livelihood and doing these things about her and she can't figure out who it is or why they're doing it and you know finds herself being sort of like erased from this and having her identity taken over which I feel like at the time it came out, felt like science fiction and feels a lot less like science fiction these days, given what is possible and seemingly constantly happening with, you know, AI and deep fakes and things like that. So, uh, yeah, that's a good one for people to watch now. I'm sure I've recommended it at some point before, um, but it, it feels more relevant now than ever and is another example of a movie that, like, has social media as part of it and actually seems to understand social media rather than being like social media bad scary there's a ghost on facebook yeah i do like it's not as simple as just social media bad and you shouldn't be on it it almost treats it like almost like a force of nature like it's just a fact of life that has its effect on people that like is used responsibly or irresponsibly but it's never quite as simple as we'll just don't use it then yeah yeah, because I mean, it is shown, you know, in this movie and and in Cam as, as something through which, you know, people make their livelihoods, which, you know, they they survive based on this thing. So, yeah, definitely. That's worth checking out. Sissy is very good. So check that out first. Like we said, it's on Shutter right now. Shutter did the international distribution outside of Australia. So definitely check that out. All right, that about does it for us. Morgan, can you remind people where they can find you online and find out more about your work? Of course. You can find me at my blog, Diversity in Horror, which is diversityhorror.blogspot.com. You can also find me at Diversity Horror on Twitter and on Instagram. Fantastic. And Emmanuel, what about you? I'm on Twitter at ellipscom2. Fantastic. As for the rest of us, you can find Emily at Megamoth on Twitter, Mega underscore Moth on Instagram, and at Megamoth.net. Ben is on Twitter at Ben McCon and on their website at BenConComics.com, where you can pick up all their books, including pre-ordering L. Campbell Wins Their Weekend, their debut middle grades novel from Scholastic. And finally, for me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jrome 58 on my website at JeremyWhitley.com, and you can go buy the dog night by me and brian to go right now in stores go do it currently uh it is available now and if you enjoy 
this, you will enjoy that. They're in no way similar other than me. Be there or in die. Brain. Death and <laughs> And of course, the podcast is on Patreon at Progressively Horrified, on our website at progressivelyhorrified.transistor.fm and at Prague Horror Pod, where we'd love to hear from you. Speaking of loving to hear from you, we would love it if you would rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to it. It will help other people find it and help us continue to grow. Thanks again for Morgan and Emmanuel for joining us. This is a fun one. Of course. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Anytime. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. And thanks as always to Ben and Emily for co-hosting. And thanks to all of you for listening. Until next time, stay horrified.